This is The Fourth Revolution by Bartel, a podcast on the technology driving change in manufacturing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Fourth Revolution, brought to you by Bartel. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. It's great to be back behind the mic for Bartel. I'm excited for this episode because we're exploring the technologies and the methodologies that are driving the fourth industrial revolution. And today, specifically, we're really digging into this concept of change and how companies respond to said change. The aspects of the fourth industrial revolution that really drive conversation and thought leadership today often focus on the newest technologies, right? We end up talking about 5G, IoT devices, AI, machine learning, etc., and how all these things will propel new industries forward. But what isn't as exciting maybe to talk about is the transition for mature companies. But this is an essential piece of the conversation that we need to have. How do you prepare a legacy company, one with a rich history in manufacturing and with processes and methodologies of their own, how do you prepare them to adapt to this digital age? So to get some perspective on these adaptations is Darren Smith. He's the VP of marketing for Pettibone LLC. We're going to be getting his thoughts on this whole concept of change in the fourth industrial revolution. Darren, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's great to have you on. I'm really looking forward to unpacking this with you. So, Darren, the fourth industrial revolution is really pushing the mantle on new technologies and manufacturing. But to your point, to, you know, the intro's point, it's so much more than that. It's more than just a tech conversation. It's really a shift of people and processes as well. So what are your thoughts on the need for this more holistic shift? Uh, excellent question. And so I guess I'd like to start off with, uh, you know, thanking you and Bartel. But, you know, companies are pouring millions of dollars into digital transformation initiatives, you know, but a high percentage of those fail to pay off. You know, that's because companies put the cart before the horse, focusing on a specific technology, or we need a machine learning strategy because our competitors are doing something like that, rather than you know, kind of doing the hard work of, of fitting the change into the overall business strategy first. Um, so, you know, you need to kind of align your technology investments with the business goals. For for example, you know, learn more about the insider knowledge than what the outside consultants might be telling you. Acknowledge the fears that your employees might be having about job loss or the unknown or, you know, heavens forbid, we've always done it this way before mentality. And, you know, kind of develop a deeper knowledge of how change will affect customer experience. You know, you may be changing, but customers might not be ready for that. And, you know, in the process and techniques that you that you follow. So there's there's always a triangle of people prodigy that always needs to be applied when looking at some of these initiatives. And do you think it's been difficult for more legacy companies to put that right foot forward as they adapt to this new era of manufacturing? Yeah, absolutely. The, the the older companies have had a proven track record or success doing business the old way. Right. And they have existing channels, existing customers, and predisposed to trust what has worked in the past. When things are changing so fast today on the technology side, you know, it's it's hard to keep up. People are inventing things today that 
you know, never were even thought of even, even five years ago. So the, on the Pettibone side, we have a lot of companies that are 60, 70, even 90 years old. I mean, that is a, that is a rich history of products. Many of them are in niche industries. You know, they may not be the biggest company, but they're going up against the, the giant gorillas uh, that are out there. So, you know, the, the resources are always more difficult to come by when you don't have billions of dollars for, for an R&D project. What would you say are the major concerns from within the industry for these uh, these legacy companies? Maybe, you know, more specifically, what are the aspects of that adaptation that seem most intimidating or the most difficult to break the mold? Uh, good question. So most difficult to, to break the mold uh, might be, you know, some of the businesses that Pettibone has are reliant upon an industry such as court reporting and technology is, is moving fast in those aspects of voice recognition and video which is, which is challenging how things are, are being done completely in the industry. And so we need to get out in front and be the pioneers of directing that change rather than being reactive to it. You know, on the plastic molding company that we have, Davies Molding, you know, a lot of the knobs and handles that for 50 years were controlled with your hands are now being controlled with touchscreen and voice and soon, uh, you know, artificial intelligence might even be taking uh, taking that out and just reacting to sensors and displays that are, you know, a, com- a computer is figuring out for it. You know, I, I think your um, your background really adds a lot of perspective to this conversation, and I want to touch on that briefly before we continue. You're currently coordinating these kinds of transitional efforts into this fourth industrial revolution for 11 different mature B2B companies across North America and Europe. You were the former president of an 86-year-old plastic molding company, Davies Molding. What was it like trying to be the fresh leader for an established company like that, bringing an outside perspective or, you know, trying to take this company into the next era? Yeah. So after I graduated with an MBA, I went into the consulting field. I had the fortunate experience of working at that company in the shop or out in the factory uh, and then going into the world and seeing how professional management consulting companies implement type of projects. So so coming back was definitely a challenge in that, you know, the, the, the website was very static. It was in the, in the early days of basically taking your paper catalog and PDFing it and putting it on, onto the web. But, you know, you couldn't search it. You couldn't design your own product. You know, had a generic help tab that would send an email. It was, it was very unresponsive. So we, we definitely invested in a new website. And since then, we've We've changed it three or four times over to make it much more dynamic and uh, user-friendly, highlighting what our strengths are and uh, you know how we can overall improve the customer experience. Invest a lot in AdWords, keywords, and you know continuing to drive our our funnels so that we can create more leads. Well, see, that's interesting because often I think this idea of lead generation, SEO your general online presence 
doesn't really get linked with the fourth industrial revolution. I mean, it's more of just a digital evolution for businesses. But I think when we talk about the fourth industrial revolution, the online presence, the digital presence of these companies is just as important and just as necessary for making that holistic shift. You know, what kind of impact did you see that those digital shifts had on a company like Davies Molding, and how did they play into the larger fourth industrial revolution shift that was happening there? Well, you know, one of the things that Davies experienced as, as one of the largest providers of knobs and handles or manufacturer in the world is a number of competitors that had a much smaller manufacturing footprint, very limited tooling and capabilities on the web can make themselves out to be uh, much bigger and able to provide more than they can. At the same time, importing from China and India can open up a lot of avenues. So you know, we needed to stay focused on protecting our customers, innovating new products, continuing to reinforce that brand that we took so long to establish. As far as the progression of it, it you know, we continued to, to use the technology on the manufacturing side for quality improvements, operational improvements, used uh, you know, scanners and coordinate measuring machines to really improve the variability in our manufacturing processes, invested in some uh, robots to pick and place products, CNCs to in some cases, do up to 12 different operations simultaneously or at a fraction of a, of a second compared to the minutes it used to take doing, doing it by hand and having to move products down a line and uh, continue to add cost. So it, it, it definitely helped us from both sides you know, improve quality and, and safety. We have much, you know, our people are not putting them, their fingers in, in harm's way of machines uh, that can do, do a lot of those operations themselves. So based on what you've learned at Davies Molding, what are some of the main takeaways from those implementations that you've now applied to these 11 mature B2B companies that you're working with at Pettibone, as well as just as you consult and speak to other industry leaders in the industry, uh, you know, giving them tips and advice? Sure. Well, I mean, having a background on the consulting side of, of implementing ERPs and CRMs for a number of years, as well as having done it uh, at Davies, we we used a mature operating system, uh, Mapex, uh, running off of an AS400. But we were able to uh, take the you know we call it the GUI interface, the graphical user user interface for a Windows-based product, and put a CRM on top of that. You know, the challenge with Pettibone is we are trying to take all these companies and put them onto an overarching ERP system. We've chosen uh, Dynamics 365. It's a Microsoft product. And so we've embarked on basically a three-year journey to get these done, uh, implementing a couple teams based on their expertise. So, you know, we, get, we got to get the message out there that we're not making everybody change their system for the sake of technology and change, but really leading with the benefits and features that they are going to receive by making the switch. Now, it is definitely a lot of work is there's going to be you know, some heartache and extra hours that going to be required by certain key members at, at different times throughout the project. But, you know, we want to stress that 
you know, as, as a platform, uh, we're going to have a system that was going to take us into the next hundred years and, you know, provide a secure environment, improve our analytics that uh, we're probably not capturing or, or definitely utilizing as, as best as we can, you know, improve collaboration, not just within the businesses, but across the businesses. So we have several companies that are in the same, same industries or segments that you know are, aren't sharing customer information or necessarily operational information and we want to use these analytic tools to to do that implemented a lot of business intelligence reports from a financial side and sales and to some extent but it's always it's always been focused within the individual operating company not across the platform and you know we can only assume we're going to have some cost uh cost reductions in that regards and, and opportunities we haven't even thought of. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's so powerful about some of the shifts we're seeing in the fourth industrial revolution is that they really do have a domino effect. Uh, you never really know how much of a structural impact some of those operational or logistical or network efficiency changes that you make could have on the longevity of your company in a, in a positive way. Right. I mean, one one of the things that I'm really excited about is the use of telematics in so some of our heavy equipment companies. You know, today we have some purpose-built machines that have specific functions in the forestry or construction that are in hard-to-reach locations supported by a dealer who the only way a dealer makes money is if they're building or doing the job they're contracted to do. And if the equipment they buy from us isn't working, then they're not happy. Their customers are not happy. We're not happy. So, in uh, you know, w- with the technology and the Internet of Things and the telematics, you know, we can have sensors placed on these machines, you know, next to GPS, so we can test the pressure, the speed, the flow of certain uh, fluids to predict when and if there might be a problem, and send a warning to a customer saying, "Hey, you might want to check this," or if something does happen in the field. Uh, our technician can diagnose that before having to get on a plane or driving several hours into a site to make sure that they have the right person going to fix it. They have parts they may need and, uh, and, and just really save a lot of time and money. You know, taking that a step further, you know, with, with some of the software, you know, Microsoft HoloLens is, is something we're taking a look at where having experienced mechanics that know the ins and outs of every piece of of machinery is challenging. So if you send a junior person to that site, you know, they can put that lens on and somebody, master technician back at the home branch can be looking through their eyes and walking them through a complex uh, repair or change or, or something like that. And, you know, that person back at the, at home base could be helping four or five people that are out in the, all over the country. So this is the vision that we're getting to, and we're not there yet. But, you know, that's just scratching the surface of, uh, of what we're hoping to achieve. So, Darren, just in your opinion, where do you think legacy companies should start during this fourth revolution rollout, right? What comes first? Should they focus on uh, technology for their manufacturing as that first shift? Should it be uh, you know, re-educating their workforce? Should it be process or logistical-oriented shifts? W- what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, that's, that's a big question. I know 
you know, managers always struggle to understand what digital transformation actually means for them in terms of opportunities to pursue, you know, which initiatives to prioritize. Uh, you know, many of them expect radical disruption of their business, you know, huge new investments in technology or a complete switch from physical to virtual channels or, or the acquisition of a tech startup. We got to, you know, we got to buy this because we need X. But in, you know, many cases, a wholesale disruption isn't, isn't necessary. You know, you can respond, uh, you know, just by looking at your manufacturing processes. You know, what technology can you purchase today just to help you look at your distribution channels? I mean, that's one of the most disruptive areas where your access to technology from just a purchasing, a research, uh, delivery, execution, or, you know, just look at your own business model. For, for these companies and us in particular, an incremental approach of, uh, of doing a little by little can, can get you there. You know, we put together five-year strategic plans focusing on the next three years immediately and a one-year tactical budget, uh, you know, step-by-step, step, this is what we're going to do. And, and we, uh, we build in financial models and try and get as much market research in play to, uh, to support that. You know, and that that helps not bet the farm on some some technology that doesn't uh, doesn't make it. You know, we don't want to be the the, the Betamax when VHS took off. I know I'm dating right, myself right. there, but uh, you know that's a lesson learned. Uh, you know, going forward. Yeah, and I think it's also difficult to decide when to be the. I don't know, the the leader of the pack, right? Because sometimes it makes more sense to wait it out a little bit to see what some other competitors are doing and how it works for them before adopting. But if you do that, then you run the risk of falling behind. So there's that there's that line to skirt where you have to really roll something out that has been proven to work, that has been proven to uh, actually be a great investment of time, resources, and money that's going to improve your manufacturing processes or your logistics or... Uh, you know, your, uh, your workforce education, but if you then wait too long, then by the time you roll it out, you might already be left in the dust. So that, I feel like that's a dynamic that's also difficult to manage. Truly. I mean, it's, it's the classic innovators dilemma. We're, we're, we're never at the process where we need to blow up our own model to, to keep moving forward. Right. Yeah. And just being smart about it and investing, but we, you know, we have, companies that are at the leading edge of that i would you know say stenograph is is pushing the envelope on the artificial intelligence side and then some of the other companies are are much farther behind um, as needed you know i would say the majority are in the middle they're not uh, the the leading edge but they're they're the next step in there uh, going forward so now to speak to some specific technologies do you think iot networks and intelligent machinery are uh, in arm's reach for these legacy companies? You know, is it really realistic to expect them to adopt these intricate digital networks for their actual machinery, you know, here in the next few months or years even? Uh, years, certainly. Uh, you know, months, it would be in development. Right. Um, you know, I'll talk about one of our companies, Field Controls. They uh, make uh, air purification uh, products for HVAC and uh, we're definitely looking at taking the Internet of Things into those portables, 
where you can move machines from room to room and uh, they can measure the air uh, particles and, and clean and purify the room. Well, you know, before it's you control it with the knob and, you know, high, medium, low. And then it gets into where the sensors do it and can uh, control it yourself, but you, but you need to regulate it. Well, you know, so the next generation is those things are all going to have be, you know, Wi-Fi enabled, tied into a measuring device that will be able to evaluate and adjust the room on uh, any at any particular time. So if you open a window, well, you know, allergens can come flying in, the dust and pollen, and so the machine might need to kick it up a notch. But if it's been running all day and nobody's been home and the air hasn't moved, doesn't need to uh, to work as hard. So it's totally based on a sensor. And then you can control that uh, with an app and you can set that up to work in conjunction with every unit that you have in every room. And then the feedback can go up into the cloud and basically uh, based on some of those data analytics that helps uh, drive the next product to uh, make it more energy efficient and uh, environmentally friendly or the next feature that could be used. So and clearly, you know, this is a company that's been around a long time making uh, stuff that goes into your ductwork, but from a new product development, it clearly the Internet of Things is, is on the forefront of, of their minds. What kind of education then do you think is needed to make that specific technology uh, an efficient rollout? And how would you approach that rollout for some of your Pettibone companies? Well, we're always looking for good engineers, and it's it's that bridge of you know kids coming out of school today are all computer savvy, but what technology do they really really know or want to pursue? And you know the the majors in college are a lot different today than they were then. So I know you know the major universities are offering offering digital uh, certificates, and then you have some of the the uh, technical colleges providing actual wiring and harness and, and, and technology like that. So really, I think, you know, majority of people coming out of school have a base foundation and then they are looking for opportunities to go to an established company to, to learn a lot more about actually how business works and how they can take their skills and refine them. Um, you know, many engineers that we, we've hired at Davies, you know, they might know electrical engineering, but need to design a specific mold. Well, you know, mechanical versus uh, interfacing with the plastics, which is chemical, you know, they're all combined. So it's, it's much like being a lawyer. When you, when you graduate, somebody asks you for help on a traffic ticket. When you say you're a, an estate planning attorney, they're not quite the same. You know, I was just uh, at a conference in New Orleans uh, it was a telecom and broadband conference, and I heard from a lot of people that the idea that 5G as a necessity to fully embrace IoT is kind of a myth, that IoT is really accessible now, uh, and that you can get a lot of, uh, there are a lot of advantages to be taken if you implement IoT sooner than later. Do you agree that that's the case, at least for manufacturing, that companies, whether they're fresh companies or legacy companies, can really start looking at how can we implement IoT networks into our machinery now uh, before necessarily having to wait for 5G to become a nationwide or a localized thing? So 5G, there's been a lot of talk about that, and we clearly need to stay focused on what those benefits are going to be. 
from from the old school manufacturing side, I think we have a a little time to see how that develops while working within constructs of 4G today. But I firmly believe the 5G will will be transformative for for everything because as as every product is manufactured, there's going to be some way to interface that into the cloud and connect to your house or to your car, or to your friends or to your family, to the office. And the amount of data that's going to be out there is, is mind blowing. And so the 5G, you know, makes it just easier, more affordable, faster for every every device that has any kind of power to uh, to communicate with each other. So do you think 5G is going to be a necessary component of completing this holistic transformation during the fourth industrial revolution, at least for IoT-enabled manufacturing? And if so, do you think that this is going to have any sort of specific impact on these older companies that we've been talking about that really uh, you know, are needing to adapt to this new era? Well, as, as far as our current journey on the ERP system, I think by the end of this, we will be well positioned to capitalize on that. You know, it's hard to say in five, 10 years where, where that's going to lead us. But if our products are not able to participate in that, then, you know, we, we will be left behind. So, you know, we're not going to let that happen. All right, Darren, I feel like that about wraps up our conversation. Are there any final points that you want to get across just about the necessity or the impact that transitioning some of these older companies to this digital era might have on the rest of the industry or just those specific companies? I would say, you know, I just want to stress the importance of of the people that are involved in this. Studies show that upwards of 70% of ERP implementations fail primarily because they're not effectively addressing the people aspects of it. Along the way, people want to know what's going on at the same time, understand how that impacts them and, 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 you know, is it going to take my job away or am I going to be able to do what the new jobs are? So I think communicating that, having the vision, the five-year plan articulated to the employees and keeping them involved along the way is, is crucial for the success of these. They're all tied together, the people, process, and technology. All right. Well, we've been chatting again with Darren Smith. He's the VP of Marketing for Pettibone LLC. Darren, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It was a pleasure getting to break this all down with you and looking forward to getting you back on again soon. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. It was a pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of The Fourth Revolution, a podcast by Bartell Machinery Systems. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, you can head to bartellmachinery.com slash podcasts. That's podcasts, plural. Again, bartellmachinery.com slash podcasts. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you're listening to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.